Hello, adventurer. Come and have a seat at our table as we welcome you to the second season of Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Britton. And I'm Jaren. And this week, we are introducing all the exciting new changes to the show, as well as a topic that I think that we have all had some experience with, how playing D&D in a virtual setting has affected gameplay, and how to stay engaged while playing online. Now, first off, obviously, we've got some new changes. We've got some new music and sounds. I am so excited about talking about those. You know, coming into season two, I know uh, I wanted to make the show feel a little bit more atmospheric and it not just be quite obvious that uh, I'm sitting in my office talking to someone else uh, about D&D. So we wanted to make this a little bit more of an atmospheric feel. Um, and I think Jaren, you and I had talked about, do we want to do like, what kind of setting do we want to feel like our listeners are listening in um, and how do we want to curate that? So we set up some new music and got a brand new editor. I want to welcome Robin Chan into the Discussions and Dragons family or the 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 cumulative workforce that is uh, putting this podcast out. So I want to say a huge thank you to Robin for uh, being our editor and accepting the role and taking the burden off of my shoulders. Um, and Jaren, you wanted to talk about the Discord, right? Because I know you were really excited about that coming. Yeah, absolutely. Coming soon and hopefully up and running by the time this episode airs, we are going to have a Discord. So hop on in. We're going to post that on all the social, me social media and uh, hop on so we can chat about D&D. We can share memes and laugh at each other and uh, talk about um, ideas uh, that you guys would like us to talk about. I'm excited to, uh, to get to know everybody that's listening to our, our content. Yeah, I know one major thing that we wanted to do was to grow the community. We've got so many people out here that love D&D and love tabletop games, and I want to I wanna foster that a little bit in the Discussions of Dragons Discord. Also being able to feel free to share your art and any any D&D projects that you might be working on. Please feel free so that we can all support each other. Absolutely. My main... Uh, reason for even starting this podcast in the first place is I like talking about D&D &D, and I want to foster a community of other people that like talking about D&D &D too. So uh, the Discord is just another step along that path. Awesome. I'm so excited about it. So with the changes and that uh, all taken care of and talked about, I want to jump right into this topic. Something that unfortunately with what's going on in the world, we have had to shift the medium in which we play D&D &D into an online setting and how that's affected gameplay. So I've got a little bit of a pro and con list of when it comes to me and my, my experience as a player with online play. Um, and so I know I've played both with and without the video element. I know some, some of my groups are uncomfortable with video uh, or not able to do video, so we've do, done just voice. And some of mine, uh, some of my other groups love video and want to do nothing but video. Jaren, you're in a couple games, right? Um, I am, well, I, as of now was, I uh, am running our Sunday game and I had a once a month Monday game going, but scheduling conflicts kind of came up and it doesn't seem like that one's going to be feasible uh, going forward, which is kind of unfortunate, but that's okay. Um, I think... Uh, no D&D is better than bad or forced D&D, &D, so 
Um, you know, our Sunday group does run with with video, and I think that's been a big benefit. Yeah, you know um, what what I've come to experience with with playing with video or playing online. Some of the benefits that I've really enjoyed. Maybe they're outside of uh, this one's a little bit outside of D and D proper, but. I'm really excited that I actually get to learn new programs like Roll20 and Foundry. Being able to learn something new is always fun for me, uh, especially if it's something that can augment what I already know about D&D. I think Roll20 has been a huge help, especially in our Sunday game. Yeah, definitely. I've had to learn new software for uh, running the game from, you know, my my perspective of uh, DM. I think we, we talked about this before, but one of the things going forward with Season 2 here is we're we're... It's becoming more clear of the direction we want to go with it. Um, I've been running a lot of, of D&D in the last couple of years, pretty much since the start of the pandemic, and you've been playing a lot. And we have this opportunity to talk about D&D from these two different perspectives. And so that said, from running the game's perspective, there are some new tools that I've come to learn and appreciate. Um, now, I will say that my experience running the game has entirely been online, um, but I've... Uh, adopted different tools in that time that I've had to learn and really appreciate like uh, like Notion. It's just a really good database note-taking system. You know, it's it's probably similar to OneNote. It's another tool I know people use a lot for running the game. Um, but I, I would agree, like learning these new new tools is, uh, is, is really satisfying. Yeah, and uh, I've noticed with online tools, uh, specifically in one area of playing D&D has really helped is combat. So if you don't have minis or a board uh, and you're kind of just doing all theater of the mind, that can be that can be fun. It can also be a little bit frustrating for players that, you know, want to cast counterspell and they need to know, am I 60 feet away from this other caster that's casting a spell? So I think that using things like Roll20 and Foundry have helped me conceptualize combat a little bit easier. If you know, say you're in a situation where you don't, like I said, have boards or minis or, or anything like that. Being able to have tools that show exactly how far away you are from someone or how big is a 30-foot aura. I can think of 30 feet in my head, but when you get to see it on a map and see just how big it is, you can think a little bit more tactically with your with your combat maneuvers or in terms of other players. So I think that's really helped me a lot. Um, I know as a DM, it's been really cool for you and to experience as a player for me, like dynamic lighting in combat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that is something that I um, have recently figured out how to do on Roll20. Our first campaign when we were running uh, Storm King's Thunder, uh, I didn't really have those tools at my disposal. It was just not knowledge that I knew how to use with Roll20. And uh, with the second one, we're running Rhyme, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. And I recently have learned that, and it's it's been fun to both learn how to edit uh, those maps that already have that built in, and how to create that myself. It's been a little bit of extra work, but I think it it uh, it just creates another level of I don't know if this helps with engagement, but it it probably looks a lot cooler from your perspective. I, I mean, it definitely helps engagement. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden is set in. Icewind Dale, which has been locked in a permanent night and winter. So seeing a, a battle map and then having the dynamic lighting where it, it helps me visualize, oh, I, I am in the dark. 
all of these people can't see these things. We are in almost pitch black darkness when we're fighting outside. Um, I need to know how far my dark vision goes. I need to know what I can and can't see. So I think the dynamic lighting has also really helped my engagement as a player making informed decisions rather than just seeing, you know, here's my token on a map. Of course I can see that because I'm a human with my own adult eyes. I can see on the screen, but that doesn't really translate to what's actually going on. Yeah, definitely. Um, and my last pro that I have is maybe just more for like D&D Beyond or, or databases, like how you were talking about uh, for your note taking. Being able to take all of this information and put it on a screen in front of me has helped um, rather than you know flipping through books and papers and erasing things and things like that. Being able to just have it at my fingertips has been really nice, especially, you know, I'm in three different campaigns right now having all of that information uploaded into D&D Beyond. I don't have to worry about carrying my character sheets around as long as I can pull it up on my phone or whatever screen I'm using. That's been a really big help for me. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. And I, I, that part actually worries me a little bit whenever we go back to in-person play and I run the game. Because like I mentioned, all my running the game experience has been online. I've never run the game in person. And I think I'm going to have to... My, I have a laptop, but it's fairly old. I'll probably have to go out and buy a new laptop just to run the game in, in person because I'm so accustomed to having notes at my fingertips and being able to open up pages whenever I need to look something up on the fly. I don't know that I want to run from a notebook. That's That seems a little intimidating. Yeah, I, you know, something that we used in our, in our game here in the city, uh, we were able to play in person, and it was kind of funny. We all had our laptops and sat down at the table with our laptops and pulled up our virtual sheets because we had just been running virtual for the past, you know, months and months and months. So we didn't really know what to do outside of that. And all of our stuff was saved online. So we kind of just sat there with our tablets and our and our laptops and it still worked. It was, it was still really nice to have all that information in one place. Uh, we had paper notes, but even, you know, Jamel, he's got his his laptop behind his DM screen. He's got his screens that he's got pulled up with all of his information. So I think, depending on your comfort level, uh, we might, you know, when we all transition back into in-person, have a, a hybrid of yeah. papers and screens. And that'll just, I think, just assist the game. That seems likely. It, now, now uh, having a phone at the table won't be seen as a bad thing. Right. Not all the time. Now transitioning into the cons with, you know, phones at the table. I think my biggest detractor for this whole online play experience, and I think you can definitely attest, for any game that has not been using camera or, I mean, even camera, just the lack of face-to-face roleplay is kind of a hamper on on roleplaying in general. Yeah, I would, I would agree to that. And um, I think... I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I see having a webcam as a big benefit. I'll talk about that when I get into um, some of the things that I do to encourage and increase the engagement, but certainly not being able to see another player or, or you know, have that, that visual to look at um, is a big downside. Yeah, it's, it's hard to roleplay with a voice sometimes because it kind of just feels like a phone call. I know, you know, specifically using Roll Twenty, you can have your your character portraits up, and and that's nice to see. But I, you know, I always attribute somebody's character to their face and you know their their reactions, and being able to play off that feels more genuine. So when we have cameras, it's it's it is a, a decent substitute, but 
Nothing can really replace the feeling of role-playing with your friends face-to-face. And having the shared excitement of telling stories together in person doesn't seem to quite be there all the time with webcam. Yeah, I would, I would agree to that. And I think that's why we play this game. At least that's why I really love d and It's that shared experience, that improvisational storytelling that we're all kind of contributing to this story together. And it's not a bunch of individuals telling their own story when it's their turn to talk. You know, it's just this, it's a collaboration. Yeah, and I, I would agree that sometimes it, it feels really fragmented. You know, when it's like, all right, well, it's 7 p.m. Let me turn on my computer and sit down in front of the webcam rather than, all right, I've got my snacks and my drinks and I'm going over to my friend's house and we're all sitting down at the same table. So maybe I'm waxing a little poetic here or romanticizing playing games, uh, but it just, it, it's like the, the ritual is not there. The ritual of taking your drinks and your snacks and you got your dice and your notebook and your laptop and you're trucking on over to your friend's house to sit down and collaboratively tell a story together. Yeah, that's got to be in your cons list is with online play, there's no snacks, no shared snacks. Yeah, now I just have to feel like a scumbag sitting and eating my Takis and having my drink (laughs) alone in my house. Drinking alone, talking to the computer. Yeah, you know, it's not too much different from a normal Friday night, but here we are. But but we're doing it with with swords and magic. Yeah. And do, do you have any other thoughts about online play? Your pros, your cons? Um, well, I guess my the things that I wanted to touch on are more just things that I do gen, uh, generally speaking to uh, address this engagement. And uh, my position kind of starts with uh, recognizing that this is just a challenge for me to overcome as a DM, rather than um, a problem that lies in my, you know with my players. You know, in other words, I see it as how can I try to maximize engagement versus why aren't my players paying attention. You know, it's a thing that exists online because it's 2022. And when you're playing online, it's really easy to open up a bunch of tabs and have, you know, Reddit open, Um, especially like in combat when it's not your turn and you're like, okay, just let me know when I have to tell you that I'm going to move 30 feet and swing my sword. So I I recognize that that's a thing. I I don't pretend that it's that it's not. And I just um, ask myself, how can I work to minimize that? You know, it's never going to go away. It's just something that I have to work to minimize. Um, because I know, I mean, there are other games that I, I play online as a player that I have to do certain things to keep myself engaged. So I, you know, I, I recognize that it's it's a thing that exists and I don't try to ignore it. I just try to address it. So that's kind of where I start. Um, and the more, more things that I can uh, do to engage the senses, I think, are the better. There's not a lot of senses that I can engage with online play, um, but the more things that I can do, I can do to hit those, the better I think. Um, and I, and you know, we talked about webcams, and for me, that's a big one. I found it it's way easier to keep people engaged if we can look at each other, look at each other through the webcam. And I know as a player, if I have that webcam on myself, I I feel a little guilty if I start open up pages because I know that people can see that I'm not looking at the camera, or they can you know, see the fact that this bright new tab opened up and reflected off my face. And I feel like guilty about that. I'm like, I don't want people to know that I'm like not paying attention, you know? So um, having the webcam up is a big deal. Other things that are like in in this category of visual cues, you know, I, as the DM, I, I have a lot of maps and I have a lot of pages. I always have something up. 
for you guys to look at. Um, whether that is the world map or the dungeon map or even just an atmospheric picture that represents, you know, either the actual setting or maybe the feeling that, you know, I'm trying to elicit. Um, you know, I think it, just having something to look at, I think, is uh, always going to be better than, you know, better than not. Um, so we got webcams always having something up. We use Roll20. And I, I don't know, I just do this in there too. I don't know if this helps you stay engaged, but um, having your own movable token, especially for going through dungeons, seems like that should, you know, because then you're actually engaging with the map that I'm showing you. Do you find that yeah. that, that helps you stay engaged or pay attention? Yeah, so you brought up a couple things that I wanted to, to talk about too. Um, so especially one thing that I've, I've really appreciated that you've done so far with Rhyme is throwing up like inspirational pictures or atmospheric photos. Um, I know I did for, for a little while to try to remember that I am in nighttime um, because these the, the Roll20 maps are so bright because everything is snow covered. So everything's white. It's very bright and it looks like the daytime. I've had to literally have a picture of a nighttime forest up on one of my monitors to remind myself that I am in darkness. I am in the cold. Um, and it is not like when you say the next morning, it's still nighttime. The sun is still down. So I I wanted to say that I 100% agree with the choice to have atmospheric photos or inspirational pictures. Sometimes I'll just catch myself scrolling through, through the Discord uh, for our game and looking at other people's pictures um, that they've put up as inspiration for their characters or um, or enemies that you've you've posted pictures of so that we can you know visualize the world. Um, so I think that looking at pictures of the campaign or pictures that have come from the book have really assisted uh, me in that um, and especially having my own movable token, especially in a dungeon. I know Sometimes it can feel kind of like monotonous, like, all right, I move 10 feet. All right, I move 10 more feet. And I continue moving down the hallway. But it gives me, you know, rather than just saying, all right, I'd like to walk down the entirety of the hallway. I can, you know, I can peek. I can see, oh, well, I just came up on a doorway. I'm going to peek around the corner. You know, having a, having a movable token has really helped um, staying engaged because I can I can choose what I do and watch other people make decisions too. Just like if I was this character in a room or in a dungeon, watching people walk around and make decisions, it kind of spurs me into, all right, well, I need to make start making some decisions because I'm, I'm a part of this group too. And I know with online play, especially with Roll20, we have this uh, thing called dynamic lighting, um, which, you know, as you're moving your token around, you're seeing different things. You're seeing line of sight. You're seeing um, the fact that, well, there's an open door and I can kind of see another room there every time you move your token around. So I think that probably helps as well. Yeah, it's it's all of the little things that uh, I kind of mentioned on my pro list that do actually help engagement a lot. You know, uh, having to figure out some things for myself in Roll20 on the fly, um, that that's helped my engagement. Um, I, you know, I feel like sometimes I do have to work a little extra hard with RP, so I tend to try to be focused when it's my turn in the conversation. So when it is my turn sure, in sure. combat or a conversation, I try to make sure that like I'm looking at the webcam or I am looking at the face of the person that I'm talking to. And I know you can't really tell, you know, over webcam who I'm looking at, but it's it's little things like that that utilizing all of the all of the tools that we have with our programs and online play to try to stay as engaged as possible. 
Um, you had mentioned, you know, looking at a phone or bringing up like different pages. I sometimes I feel like I'm in school. I have to physically put my phone away, or else I will look. I just I have, you know, we're all people. We're all adults with phones. Sometimes we just have that instinctual like I'm just gonna pick up my phone. So I have to, oh, so, for sure. Sometimes I just have to put it away, or else I will look at it because you know I've 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 been trained to uh, my lizard brain sees the 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 screen light up, and now I need to touch my phone and see what happened. We are all we are all Ryan in the office in some yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you had mentioned um, some stuff about combat, and this is maybe a good segue into um, the next bit of stuff that I want to talk about. And that is, we talked about sight, but now let's talk about sound. Um, and I know that it, for me, it is really easy to get a little bit distracted in combat until it's my turn. And so, one of the things that I uh, do for my players in combat is I like to let people know when they're on deck. You know. All right, you know you're up next with you on on uh, on deck, you know, so people know to be ready. So that's one thing. And uh, I, with with combat, I also like to maybe this helps, maybe it doesn't. Um, I just I, sometimes I do, and I don't always do this, but I like to describe how one character's actions affect another character in combat. So maybe it's not your turn, um, but I might say, uh, you know, the the paladin. Uh, Strikes a sword and he hits the goblin and knocks him, uh, knocks him forward ten feet. And uh, Britain, your your characters sees this goblin uh, get uh, knocked forward. Uh, it flies right into you, hits you, and falls dead at your feet. You know, so just because it's not your turn doesn't mean your character doesn't see what's going on in combat. You know, that's just some examples. Or you know, you see this beam of eldritch blast energy whizzing over your shoulder as it strikes the enemy in the chest. Yeah, I, I, I. I've noticed that you've done that, and I think that's really it's it's fun because we've, I think we we touched on this in our homebrewed rules where speaking is basically a free action if you're like reacting to something, and that kind of offers in combat RP moments. You know, if you say that you know the warlock shoots an eldritch blast over my shoulder and takes out the person that's behind me, you know that's that's a moment of does my character acknowledge that? Do I say thank you? Yeah, thank you for saving me. Um, or does my character round on the warlock and say, I was going to get that one. So it... Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And when you say things like you're on deck um, or when DMs say stuff like that, that is so helpful. As, as much as I know you've got a thousand things going on in your head, I cannot remember turn order for anything. So knowing when I'm on deck is great because no group of people or group of players when they're in combat wants to hear... All right, so and so, it's your turn. What do you do? And that person goes, uh, "Oh, it's my turn." <laughs> um, uh, how far am I away? Like it's it, that slogs can't like combat down to a grinding halt. So I am that has helped me a ton when DMs. I've, I've noticed that not only you do it. Um, some of the other DMs that I've been playing with have started doing that as a trend as well, and it's been really helping combat kind of pick up, so that. While somebody's doing their attack, somebody else is already thinking about what's going to happen or what they're going to do. Yeah, and I—I I mean, I, I think it. Um, well, it should. This is kind of the intent. It kind of like fosters a little bit of uh, cooperation in combat. You know, contrary to this idea that we're all individuals in combat, and I take my action and then my turn's over. I, I like this idea that you know, when you've got uh, a team of four to six players in combat, they might work together and play off each other. And, you know, that's another another way that you can kind of keep yourself engaged in, in what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. 
I wanted to touch on something that you said a little while ago, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to, I wanted to know, uh, from a DM's perspective, how do you not take it personally when players sometimes don't feel as engaged in this medium specifically? In online play, when we can feel a little fragmented and feel a little bit isolated, how do you as a DM not take that personally or as a player not being interested or engaged? Um, and maybe it's just the player having difficulty themselves and it's not necessarily the DM. How do you how do you navigate that? I guess, I don't know that I've really experienced it ton, but the little that I think that I've picked up on, I can say that um, I know that it's probably not me, because I know I do a lot of things to try to engage, and uh, for instance, um, I think this is probably easier to have happen in the beginnings of the beginning of campaigns. For instance, the the rhyme came the rhyme game that we were going to run on on Monday. I know that it's really um, it, it's a challenge to feel like you're you're at that point of buying into what's going on um, in the in the very early beginning of the of the campaign. You guys probably felt this in our early sessions as well. Uh, where you don't know what's going on, you just have these characters, you have some combat, but big picture, you have no idea what's going on, and because you don't know what's going on yet, you haven't really gotten to that point where you want to know what's next, you know? Um, I compare it to reading a really good book, you know? It takes probably the first third of the book to get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm invested in these characters now and the story, and I want to know what happens next. I have a reason to keep going and to, to read further, and I think that happens probably too also in D&D where in a campaign you get to a point where you're you're invested in it and you're you're you kind of bought in and um, for that reason that's why you keep showing up not because it's it's well it's time to play D&D and I said it was going to be there so I'm going to be there but you show up because you're like I want to know what's going to happen I'm curious to see what that thing is what's inside that book that we found um, who is really the big bad can we trust that person you know, we, uh, my character had a really cool interaction with another character last session. I'm curious to see where that goes. And so I think that's part of the buy-in and part of the engagement, too, is, you know, getting to that point of, okay, I'm not just showing up because it's a and I'm showing up because I want to know. And so I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think it's... I don't take it personally because I know that there's a lot that I do, and I think I just... It's my job to keep people around enough to get to that point of buying in. Gotcha. Yeah, I, that's well said. I like that. I have a couple other things, unless you had more to follow up on that. No, I just I just really wanted to know. You had, you had mentioned about um, earlier on uh, about how you know you want to make sure your players you want to you want to feel like your players are invested and buying in. And I just, I just wanted to you know touch on that. Is like you as a DM, um, how do you how do you navigate that? And I think that was well said that it's it's your job to create the the situation where players buy in, and it is not your responsibility for the players to like the campaign. You foster and facilitate this game, and it is up to the players to generate their own engagement. Yeah, all, all, all we can do, all anybody can do is give it 100%, and sometimes you fail at it, and uh, you learn from it. Yeah. Um, so ho hopefully, uh, that's all I can guarantee is that I'm going to give it a pretty good effort. Same here. <laughs> I'll um, give it a pretty good try. Yeah, yeah. S something between... Uh, 100% and the old college try. Oh, yeah. Um, so I want to talk about music as well. And this is a, a big one for me. I, I love finding good music for, for sessions and creating some cool playlists. 
finding that perfect combat music and some really good background atmospheric music. And I hope that it, it helps. Um, I suspect that sometimes it just kind of becomes the art on the wall where you don't even really notice it. But maybe it does help and um, you don't need it to be this really obvious thing that you're paying attention to. It's just something that helps facilitate engagement. Um, I know for me playing games online, if I'm in a campaign that does not do that, I will go to YouTube and search fantasy music and just find some hour-long playlist, throw it on in the background, so I have something to make me feel like I'm actually playing a fantasy D&D game. Oh. You find that music has been helpful for you? Yes. Oh my god, I'm so glad that you brought up music. Uh, that was my first bullet point on how to stay engaged was music. Um, I did the same thing. Uh, my my first game on Sundays, uh, they don't they don't have music. Uh, they don't use Roll Twenty, um, so it is it is all theater of the mind. It is all happening on a Discord call. Um, and I, for the longest time, I had uh, just an hour long playlist, and I would just put on a, a a loop. And I think it was like Witcher Three soundtrack, something like that. Oh yeah. Um, just so that I could have some sort of travel music, some fantasy music. Um, Music is a huge factor when it comes to engagement for me. If there's something that's happening in the background and it's not just silence, um, I can I, that really helps my RP and my decision making, and especially in combat when you have this hyped up combat music of you know war drums and women chanting. That's going to make me absolutely be invested in combat way more than just like silence. And all right, Britain, what do you do now? Like you know. Trying to create the the experience that we have in person online is a little difficult, but I think that music is probably one of the biggest factors that have really helped my engagement. Um, so if if you're a campaign that plays online, I would highly suggest music, uh, any sort of uh, auditory aid. Um, you can even find free music online to just play in the background. Uh, no one has to be listening to the same thing, but I think if even a each player has their own personal playlist. Whatever you can use to keep yourself engaged is is really helpful. Music has probably been the most helpful for me. I want to go off on a slight tangent for a second. And I just remembered from back in my college days, I my background is in music composition. And I remember when we were going through uh, movie scoring, and we talked about this idea that um, you could probably make any piece of music work for scoring a movie and it'll probably be just fine. I think that's probably true for playing D&D online too. You can throw literally any music in the background. It's probably going to be fine. It helps set the, the, the tone, the fact that this isn't a phone call, it's a D&D, it's fantasy. Um, but we also talked about this idea that um, you a good soundtrack, you probably won't notice, but you definitely notice if it's not there. Oh, yeah. And I think it's also true for D&D. Um, I would suspect that after a while playing the same four minute loop <laughs> in the background of our campaign, especially some stuff that's not glaringly obvious as like a, a big melody, just some really good atmosphere that fits really well. You probably don't really notice it after a while, but I bet if I turn it off, you would definitely notice. Yeah, I've I've noticed that a couple times in combat where maybe the the song wasn't looped or or the sound bite wasn't on a continuous loop. And I notice like, oh, things have gotten a little quiet. I'm, uh, yeah, it just cuts off. What's going on? Yeah, what's, what's, uh, Are you playing D&D still? Right. <laughs> what, what's happening here? But yeah, like you said, it's it's more of like the art on the wall rather than the, you know, 
It's not the main event, but it is really adding to the entire experience. Uh, the last couple things that I wanted to uh, mention that I do, um, I guess we'll just mention this one, is I, I try to make it a habit of directly addressing the characters by their character name as much as I can. Uh, not to the point where I'm overdoing it, but uh, I think just hearing hearing your name in the discussion or uh, in descriptions of what's going on or what people notice, uh, or even having NPCs just address you by name, um, kind of perks your ears up. Your ears are tuned into hearing certain things, one of those being your character's name. So when when I do that, I think that probably signals to you, oh, pay attention. You know, something is happening relevant to my character. Yeah. I, that's a that's a really good thing. Something that maybe I am now just noticing um, because you know it's it's not something that's glaringly obvious. But now that you mention it, I I have been noticing a lot more. You know, player to player, NPC to player, using names as a form of engagement rather than just like, all right, I walk over here, hey you, hey person. You know, it's yeah using names as a device to assist in engagement. I do want to maybe special mention at the end here. I'm kind of at the end of the things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I will ask you if this helps in engagement at all. It's just been something cool that I've done with this campaign specifically. We've had this idea of player secrets or character secrets in Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. And um, every now and then, I'd say every like five sessions or so, I will pull characters aside and uh, go into a separate... Uh, channel on the Discord that's just one-on-one and have a talk with them about something that they notice about their secret, whatever it is. And um, then they then we all come back and no one no one else knows what, what was talked about. And I I thought that that might have some effect on your engagement as, as it is a very personal one-on-one experience. Um, does that, would you say that that's been beneficial in, in terms of uh, engagement with with the game, with with the group? Yeah, I as a as a cleric main, um, I always relish times where I can speak to the DM one on one, as if they are outside of the DM role. Like if they are playing a god, or they are providing some sort of secret or celestial knowledge bestowed onto the character. I think that taking that little nugget of knowledge or secrecy into the game uh, has been really fun. Also, it's. It's always exciting to have the DM like pull you into another room and say, "All right, I've got to tell you this secret," and then you kind of come back to the the table with your shit-eating grin of, "I know something <laughs> that you don't know." Yeah, it just it puts a spotlight on on that one character, that one player for for a half a minute or so. Yeah, I think I think that's been a really really good honorable mention for for engagement as well. All right, so in summary, I recognize that this is. Uh, a thing, a challenge for me to address and not a, a player problem. It's just a thing that exists that I try to maximize my engagement and or maximize their engagement, minimize browsing Reddit while you're playing D&D. And anything that I can do to hit these different senses, visual and sound, right? Because I'm not physically there. I can't... There's not really tactile stuff that I can do. Um, I can't uh, digitally send them smells. <laughs> you know, not yet. But I might be able to describe something. You know, um, I think the more that I can do that, the better. Yeah, exactly. And and players, feel free to reach out to your DM if you have that relationship with your DM. Talk to them about engagement. Uh, if you're playing online and you're feeling less than engaged, less than enthused, uh, ask them what you can do as a player. 
uh, and ask your DM things that you'd like them to do more. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's battle maps. Maybe it's, hey, can you just let me know when I'm on deck so that I can be engaged in thinking about my next turn? Um, it's the little things that maybe, you know, it's the art on the wall that we don't think about, but it's a cumulative experience. We are all learning what works and what doesn't in this past, um, you know, year and a half of online play so far with no end in sight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not meaning to end on a downer, but, you know, we're moving into a hybrid, if not uh, seeing more online play. So doing whatever you can to assist in engagement is, is probably the name of the game. Yeah, the upside is, since we're doing it digitally, we can play with a lot more players from a lot of different locations, which means more D&D. So that's, we'll end on that upside, how about? There we go. More D&D, more diverse players and backgrounds, and more cool things to bring to the table. All right, well, that is our show. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. And if you liked this episode, please check out our future episodes, which are released every other Friday at 12 p.m. Central next episode, we will be talking about low-level combat and how players and DMs navigate those encounters. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Britton. And I'm Jiren. See you guys next time. <laughs>